This is January 17th, 2023. This is Chip Stewart, and welcome to the Worthy is He podcast. So before I get into the, uh, the topic for this podcast, which is Husbands, Intercede for Your Wives, I want to bring to your attention that the scriptures I use as a basis for Woe to America are available in the show notes. So if you go back to that one and look down the show notes, it will show you each one of the scriptures I use to base what I said within that uh, within that episode. So I encourage you to go back and take a look. So for, uh, for today, um, husbands, intercede for your wives. What came to me a couple weeks ago, I was thinking about um, Adam and Eve, and, and what, what would have happened if Adam had responded differently to Eve taking the fruit and eating it? And what came to mind was Adam should have interceded with God for Eve on her behalf. And I think this came to me because of the examples that Moses and Christ set for us within the scriptures. You know, there's there are there's debate whether Adam was right there with Eve when the snake tempted her and she ate of the fruit and he was witnessing it. If that was a case he should have intervened. If he wasn't there and came upon it afterwards or, or Eve caved, came to him, he should have then interceded for her. So with that thought, let's move to looking at Moses and the example he set as the leader of Israel when they were in the wilderness. And how Israel repeatedly rose up against him and God and, and, and rebelled in certain ways, and, and how he responded. And I'm taking him as a leader because the scriptures place the husband in the position of a leader of the family. So it's that's how I'm making the connection as being a, a leader. And so let's go to Exodus and when we look in chapter 15, starting in verse 22, this is when the people are at Marah, and they found bitter water there. And they complain, what shall we drink? So Moses' response at this point is he cried out to the Lord. And then the Lord told him what to do, and Moses obeyed. Moving on to Exodus Chapter 17 and verse 1, they're at Rephidim. And the people again complained about a lack of water to drink. So they're, they're basically saying, give us water to drink. And Moses responds, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? And he's trying to protect them. And, and you know he knows that they can incite the anger of the Lord. But the people respond... Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So at this point, Moses again cries out to the Lord. The Lord gives him instructions and Moses obeys. In chapter 32 of Exodus, starting in in verse 1, this is the story of the golden calf, where the people create and worship 
a golden calf as a represent, representation of God. And they, and they dance around it. They sing. And the Lord sees this. And Moses is with the Lord at the time. And the Lord tells Moses, I'm going to consume these people for what they have done. And then Moses intercedes for the people. He stands in the gap. And he tells the Lord, you know, for your own glory, you know, for the promises that you've made, you know, don't consume these people. And then the Lord relents. He does not consume them. And then Moses goes back into the camp and has to deal with this rebellion, destroys the golden calf. There's, there's consequences for this major sin, this major rebellion that has occurred. And I think it's about 3,000 people die um, as a result. And then in Numbers chapter 11 at Taborah, the people raged against the Lord. They were complaining about their misfortunes, and the Lord sends a fire amongst them. So the people then cry out to Moses, and Moses cries out to God. And again, God halts the fire. And just after that, in the same chapter, uh, starting in verse 4, at Kibroth Hatavah, they were grumbling because they wanted something to eat. So the people were weeping for meat to eat. Moses cried out to the Lord about the burden this, this people were upon him. It brought him to a point of, of despair. And he was turning to the Lord what to do. And then the Lord gives him instructions. Moses obeys, and then the Lord acts. And then in Numbers chapter 14, at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, this is when the people refused to receive the good report of Joshua and Caleb when they went out to spy the, the promised land. But they didn't, they didn't believe what they said, and they rather wished themselves dead. And at this point, Moses and Aaron humbled themselves before the people and pleaded with them not to rebel against the Lord and not to fear. And then the Lord threatens to destroy the people again. Moses intercedes and the Lord pardons the people. Moses again intercedes as the leader for the people. Then in Numbers chapter 16 is Korah's rebellion. And in this rebellion, Moses fell on his face and allowed the Lord to resolve it. This was a rebellion against his leadership. And instead of Moses taking action, the action into his own hands, he turned to the Lord. And then the final example I'd like to share with you is at the waters of Meribah in Numbers chapter 20. And the people again complain, we will die, we have no water. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces at the tent of meeting and then God gave them instructions. Now, the Lord gave Moses very specific instructions to speak to the rock for water to come out. But Moses disobeys and he strikes the rock twice. And there was a consequence for his disobedience. At that point, he did not, God did not allow Moses to go with the people into the promised land. He could only look upon it. But because of his disobedience, God forbid him from entering the promised land after all he had been through in the wilderness those 40 years. So we need to remember that. 
we need to be obedient because there can be consequences for our disobedience. So let me summarize what we see here in the behavior of Moses as a leader of the people of Israel. He repeatedly intercedes for the people. And this is what we should do for our wives and our families. The burdens that he has within that leadership position, he takes to the Lord for resolution. He doesn't take matters into his own hands, but takes instruction from the Lord before acting. We should do likewise with the challenges that we have in our families. And then finally, when he disobeys, when Moses disobeys what the Lord has told him to do, there are consequences. And as leaders of our families, we need to take this as a warning that we should be obedient to our Lord as we deal with the challenges that we face day to day um, within our families, especially with our wives. So I'm going to move now to Christ as, as an example of what we should do as husbands. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 26, it's very clear here what the Lord tells us through the scripture, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That is an amazing charge that we've been given, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. It says right there, he gave himself up for her. Men, is that what we do? Do we give ourselves up for our wives daily? It's a challenge. I, I will admit it. It is an absolute challenge. But thank God we have the scripture and prayer that we can go to the Lord to get to, to get this guidance to, 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 for him to embed this love within us so that we can, we can be obedient because it can be so challenging to, to, um, to do this. And I'm sure many of you out there can relate. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So he who is head of the church is interceding for us in heaven now. So if you take this analogy to the husband and wife, Christ is interceding for us. Husbands, let's intercede for our wives. Now, we do not replace Christ in, in no means, but I think we do have a duty here, a responsibility to intercede for them as the leader over the family. And we should be doing the same for our children. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So again, it talks about Christ making intercession for us, like we should be doing for our wives. I want to throw this in here about love. Because we need to remember this as we, as we relate to our wives and our children. So in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. You know, there's those times when we feel like our wives have sinned against us, or maybe they have sinned against somebody else, and we have this desire just to, to hold it against them. We cannot do that. Here it says the love we have for them can cover over 
those sins that they have so that we're not beating them up about it. And we take it to the Lord. Those things that bother us, we take it to the Lord. Like Moses turns to the Lord, cries out to the Lord, men, we've got to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Look at that last part there. Love bears all things, endures all things. As husbands in that, in that leadership role, you know, we're going to have to endure things. We're going to have to bear things out of love. And as we, as we love our families, love our wives, we can't be arrogant. We can't be rude. We can't be resentful. We can't insist on our own way. It's, it's amazing what love is. And again, when you're challenged with this, turn to the Lord. Take it to Him. Be like Moses. And then finally, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. So this underscores what I've been saying about the husband being the leader of the family. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. So here, God has placed us in a position of leadership like he did with Moses. So it's important that we understand this and execute our responsibilities as the leader. And like Christ, we need to give ourselves for our wives, pray for her. Because as you remember, the high priestly prayer Christ interceded for us in that prayer. We need to pray for our wives and we need to intercede for her with the Father. And again, we don't replace Christ, but I do think it is our responsibility to intercede for her. So again, remember, Christ loves the church. He gave himself up for the church and he intercedes for the church. And likewise, we should do that for our wives. So, what do we do when our wife sins, whether against you, someone else, or God? Well, Psalm 37, in the first part of verse 8, it says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Remember Christ on the cross, the, the people who were nailing him to the cross and executed him. He said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Whenever this happens, we have to refrain from anger and forsake wrath because that only leads to evil. James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Are you hearing that? The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We can't get angry. I know we're going to feel like it. It's a natural reaction, isn't it? But with the reading of Scripture, the meditating on Scripture, prayer, it will make us more like Christ where we don't respond in anger when, the, when people that we love slight us or we, or we perceive that they've done something that wrongs us. We need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So I'd like to conclude 
by saying we need to know our responsibilities before God as a leader of the husband and wife relationship and also of the family. We need to seek God's face. We need to pray for our wives. We need to intercede for them. We need to make sure we do not respond with wrath or anger, but with love. We need to give ourselves for our wives. And then we need to know our position in Christ because this is the foundation for everything else. If you don't have this foundation, you're on, you're, you've built your house on sand and any storm that comes along is going to wreck your house. If you're built on the foundation of Christ, then all these things that I've been telling you, seeking God's face, praying for your wife, interceding for her, not responding with wrath or anger, but love and giving yourself for your wife, no matter what comes your way, you can do it because you're built on the foundation of Christ. And then the last thing I want to say is be obedient to Christ in your conduct toward your wife and your family. Remember Moses' obedience, and then when he disobeyed, there are consequences to that. Yes, we can ask forgiveness, and Christ is faithful and just and will forgive us those sins, but many times there's consequences. He'll forgive us, but there's still consequences. So I hope taking you through this logic will help you. Help you in as as a as a husband, as a father, in in, in how you love your family, how you love your wife. And again, back to the title, husbands intercede for your wives. Remember that. And it goes back to the, the first example that I used. You know, what, what should Adam have done? What should have been his correct response? In that situation and then what are our correct responses as husbands when we're placed in similar situations that is all for this episode thank you for listening and until next time may god bless you and your families